All right, whenever you're ready. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, the Association of Common Sense Masculinity is proud to present the exciting, the thought-provoking Can-Am Soup, an entertaining, genuine, and often meandering conversation between two friends. And now, the stars of our show, Jeremy Gertz and Todd Fuss. Hey, Todd. How's it going, brother? Good, Jeremy. How about yourself? Oh, I'm doing good. Doing good. Yeah, my uh, oldest is back from college now, so that's exciting. Get the whole family back together again. How long is he back? For the summer. Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah. So, so now there's an adjustment. I mean, you say it's summer, like it's not <laughs> still snowing. Yeah. You're no kidding. Actually, well, we didn't we didn't get below freezing tonight, so that's a real blessing. And um, we got this one spot on the north side of some of our trees where we still have about an inch deep. No, sorry, a foot deep of snow. A little patch. It's about five feet wide and like 80 feet long. It's just a nice little snow drift that's hanging out. It'll probably be there for like another couple of weeks. But uh, no, I'm excited. Things are starting to green up. We still, I still can't see any green on trees here, like no buds. And then my wife was out feeling the buds and she says they're still really, really hard. But who knows? You know, it's funny. My grandma always used to say that they need a good thunderstorm to shake the buds open to, to make the leaves come out. And uh, it sounds like I could have had your weather here last night. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah. It was, uh, I... Storms very rarely wake me up anymore. That one woke me up. Really? Oh, yeah. When hmm. your whole house shakes. Yeah. <laughs> and I came down here and did the basement office this morning, and my uh, some of my paintings are crooked. So Really? Yeah. And they oh, wow. I was just down here um, yesterday before dinner, and they were straight. So That's crazy. And you said you got hail. This was before recording. Like, how big a hail? Any damage done? Or I could just hear it, okay. so I haven't been out to look. Yeah, because it was still raining on and off. Gotcha. Uh, it sounded uh, significant, and then one of the little hedges right in front of the door is beat down. So, hmm. yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, we've had uh, we we had a lot of of snow this year, like quite a bit. But it'd be nice if we got a little moisture, like a little rain right now, because uh, things need to green up. Like I, I look out and I still see more brown than the grass and green, and it's just like, Are you kidding me? We're like right at the end of April here, you know? Oh, I got a dad joke for you. Very apropos for this time of year. Um, if April showers bring May flowers, what do May flowers bring? I don't know. Pilgrims. Oh, ha, ha, ha. <laughs> That's pretty lame, isn't it? That's yeah, pretty funny. I stole that. I ripped that right off of the Work For It podcast. Ah. I heard that yesterday. And then. I'm sure they ripped it off from somewhere. Yeah. Um, I'm pretty so sure I'd... Pocahontas was the first one that told that joke. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> Yeah, um, they, uh, so at Thursdays, I do like a large group at Awana. And so I have like a half an hour. I got to do stories and games with, I don't know, it's like 50 kids from, I think, grade one to six. 
And I started off with that joke and nobody really appreciated it. <laughs> it was funny. And then they saw that I thought it was funny and that's what they thought was funny. But yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah, it's crazy how late, you know, like you've heard that expression, your, your corn should be knee high by the 4th of July. Have you heard that? Yeah. So like, man, if, if we could ever have our corn knee high by the 4th of July, like honestly, by the time you can actually get our crops in and, and stuff, like if it's ankle high, you're doing pretty good. It's incredible how short our growing season is here. Kind of a, I don't know. You know what makes me think of it more than I ever used to, I think, because now we've got social media, right? And people I follow, like from South Carolina or Tennessee or Texas or whatever, they're like showing pictures of them, like, yep, just removing some shrubs. And I'm like, their grass is completely green. And like, there's leaves on things. I'm like, man, you guys are having summer already. Ugh, I need to move south, Todd. I should just move south. Yeah. Give up on Canada. <laughs> <laughs> it, it it seems it seems it's given up on itself. Yeah, it kind of has. <laughs> it's a joke. Oh man! So, have you been up to anything uh, this week? Um, no. It's been cold and wet, and had some things to do, but then I couldn't do them because uh, it was cold and wet, and. I had about a four-hour break between sprinkling rain showers yesterday morning and had to mow the front yard real quick. No, oh, well. Uh, it was starting to rub Benny's uh, undercarriage. Oh, okay. So. Yeah, I guess it's a pain when it's raining all the time. The grass doesn't stop, doesn't take a break. Oh, God, no, it doesn't. Um, <laughs> and I've already... Uh, I should have already mowed the whole thing twice by now. No, wow. I've only been able to do it once because of all the rain. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then it's a pain because it's so th- so high, and it's harder for your mower, and you got to go slower and all that. And the stupid uh, copperheads. Oh yeah. So is there a chance they would like jump and actually bite you if you're on the lawnmower? Oh God, yeah. Um, really? Last year, don't. Um, don't forget I told you I was mowing last year and one jumped yeah. across the, where, where you put your feet at on the, uh, zero turn mower. Yeah. It jumped across that deck from my right to my left. I'm wow. like, wow. Um, no, that's crazy. So like, so fun bits. Yeah. Is it, you got to get to the hospital right away? No, copperheads aren't necessarily danger i mean they're not deadly they just make you hurt oh okay uh can make you sick whether venom isn't uh usually deadly in humans oh, okay now we do have some you know timber rattlers and stuff but and they are deadly but hmm. yeah i guess that's one thing i never think about when i like think about all oh, man is so green there we we really don't have anything dangerous here like as far as bugs I think, like, very rarely you could see, like, a was a brown recluse spider and then a black widow. We can have those, but incredibly rare. And only those places where, you know, you, you'd be a little creeped out, like, under your under a foundation of a house or something like that or a deck or something. But 
get uh, the house in Maryland had black widows everywhere outside because hmm. it was just that area of the country. Um, and normally, growing up, we had them in North Carolina, but you'd have to go search them out. Mm-hmm. That house in Maryland, no, oh no, uh, they would just appear overnight. Um, you had to watch when you came home from work where you put your hand on the the uh, storm door wow. knob because there might be one there. You know, like that's crazy. Yeah, I was bowing the grass in uh, Maryland, oh, around two thousand nine ish. And uh, looked down, and there was two uh, walking on me. I'm like, bah! Wow, yeah. I'm done. You can have it. Yeah, <laughs> no kidding. Hey, yay, yay. Yeah, Maryland's uh, interesting. Such dense vegetation. Hey? Yeah. Yeah. We When I was working there, there was one guy, one of our, our laborers that we'd hired, I forget why he wanted, he, he invited me over for like a little, like a, wasn't a barbecue, it was kind of more like an outdoor picnic. And uh, he wanted to show me his motorbike or something that he was working on. And so, but, and he was on, he called a little acreage and I don't know, it was probably like 20 acres or something like that. But man, we were going down these back roads and it's it, some of those places, just like there's a road and then there's like just a wall of thick trees. And it's just, it's crazy. Not something I'm used to. Yeah, here, you know, during the winter, you can see all the way, you know, down one side of our property, up the hill on the other side. And once, you know, the end of May comes, you go to the edge of the grass, and then there's a big green wall. Mm-hmm. You can't even see into the woods. Yeah. That's crazy. <sighs> I'm going to, I didn't get quite as much done over this winter as I wanted because. I was concentrated on uh, becoming a Mason, but, mm-hmm. you know, and then in the end, that's more important to me. But I didn't get quite as much done with the edges of the property as I wanted. No, okay. Yeah, we got a lot of work to do with our, this place here. Um, Like I picked up a little, a little small wood chipper. I saw. Yeah. I was going to mention that. Yeah, that thing works great. I'm I'm absolutely shocked. Like, you look at it, it's just like a little 212cc engine, and I'm like, really? But I thought, it's worth a try. And, and the big reason I was willing to take the risk is that we do have a lot of just shrubs, you know, so one inch and under. And I thought if it at least kind of just shreds that stuff up, and the only reason I care, it's not like I'm looking to make mulch to put around beds or anything. I just want this stuff to biodegrade quickly. I want to shred it all up and let it just break down, go back into the earth so I don't have sticks hanging around for like five or ten years. But um, yeah, we got a lot of trees that we got to... This thing only does three inches and under. That's all that'll fit in the hopper. But I figured anything three inches and over, I mean, I'll just cut that and use it for firewood in our outdoor fire pit. And then, um, I think that'll be his job for Kobe. Uh, now he's back from school. Um, but yeah, lots of work. Same thing. Like just talking about doing work on your property. That's what I hope to get a lot done this summer. Clear a bunch of dead trees, bunch of brush, get it all cleaned up. But that stuff takes a lot of work, a lot of time. 
God, yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I um, talking to somebody at uh, our district meeting. They're just you know, uh, since families and others are invo- invited to those, are uh, master's wife. I was talking to her, and you know they got adult kids and been watching grandkids lately and all that and. And then he was, you know, talking about getting old. and But none of the stuff that comes along with homeownership, you know, slacks off. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. When I was younger, people used to tell me all the time, quickest way to get a uh, full-time second job, buy a house. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. I think that's why my parents were interested in selling this place. Because, you know, I mean, obviously, as you would attest to, and people generally know that if you've got more than just a front yard and a back yard in, in a city or in a town, man, it's a lot more work, you know? And it's not just your lawn is bigger, but, okay, now you got extra, you got trees, you've got, you know, certain sense, like, we don't have a forest, but there's a big wood plot here. And I'm kind of like, you know, you, there's things you can do to help that be as healthy as possible, but that, that involves cutting down dead standing trees, you know, removing all the brush. And it's just, man, it's so much work out here. But then there's the benefit, you know, you get to enjoy it. Like right now, this time of year is when the birds are going gong show. Like I ran out to the shop this morning to grab my computer for our podcast and I got halfway there and I just stopped for a second, just listened. And I, I bet I heard like 15 different types of birds and they were just giving her. I love this time of year. It's so great out here. I do too. Um, since I'm 50, 51% deaf and mostly in the higher frequencies, I can't hear birds. Oh, really? Uh, that- people like, man, the birds are driving me crazy. What birds? <laughs> you can't hear them? No, there's no noise out there. Really? Then you really make them think they're crazy. <laughs> it must well, be in no your head. Out there. What are you talking about? Yeah. Is that from working around aircraft? You're yep. hearing it? Yeah. That's a bummer, hey? Yeah, and the uh, big turbofan engines, the uh, the ones that are actually, you know, to the naked ear, quieter. Mm-hmm. They have a high frequency uh, noise under the noise, and uh, no amount of hearing protection over time. After about um, thirty, forty-five minutes of uh, prolonged exposure, constant prolonged exposure, will save your hearing. Really, the what's damaging your uh, killing the cilia in your ear um, is sound you can't hear. Mm. Interesting. And then the ones that people thought were worse for it, the jet engines, the older ones, um, your bo- your whole body felt that noise. It was just one of those. Um, but, yeah. Hmm. I, I miss it, but, you know. Yeah. Kind of not much you can do. Oh, no, no, not a young man anymore, so. Hmm. Um, Now, I would still love to be involved with that, but 
I'm not, so move on. Yeah. Yeah, we worked, I did a job once in Tucson, Arizona, and they have an Air Force base there, and it's right near the, like, basically the runway is right beside the runway of the regular airport. Yeah. And they do a lot of training there from what I understood. That's what the guys were telling me. And they'll have on average, I think it's 200 um, fighter jets take off a day, somewhere around 200. And, you know, the first couple hours we were working there, I'm like, this is so cool. This is the sweetest thing ever. Loved it. And then after half of a day, it's like, are you freaking kidding me? Another one? Because, man, like you said, they would take off and... You could like we always had to have hearing protection in, and at most airports, when you're in the the ramp area where the luggage comes down from the ticket counter, yeah, there's times when you're going to want to throw some hearing in. But there's a lot of times, you know, if there's not a plane actively coming in or out of a gate that you're located by, you don't need hearing protection. There, man, like every several minutes, a jet took off, and they they do the the touch and goes, and it was just so oh, I hated it. And you'd be on the phone with somebody, and it's like just a second, and. Ugh. but it was kind of cool to see like if you could just sit out there and watch and then we had to drive our equipment with a forklift i went to use this little service road and it paralleled their taxiway and i forget how many times i think i tried it like three or four times i'd look at a fire jet and i'd be on a forklift and i'd like just give them the big old uh hang loose sign or whatever and then they they I don't know if they ever saw you, but one guy looked over at me. I did that to him, and then he did it back to me and not, was nodding his head with his fighter helmet on. I was like, that's the coolest thing I've ever seen in my life. I was like, just telling him, man, you got the coolest job in the world. And he's like, yeah, dude. That was kind of cool. Good old Tucson. Outran the cops on the airport property. <laughs> oh, yeah. We had some fun on the road, I tell you what. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, most people think, um, you know, being a fighter pilot is the best job in the world. It isn't, and because you have to work with fighter pilots, yeah, <laughs> and they're the biggest douchebags that <laughs> have ever been put on earth. It's funny, and they, I mean, it's not just that they're um, narcissists or alphas. Oh no, they're, they're, there's something extra sprinkled onto them that makes it just that much worse. That's funny. I mean, normal pilots were bad enough to work with, but <laughs> at least you could look at a, like the pilots I work with, um, and go, really? You haven't had it? You couldn't even be a fighter pilot, you know? Yeah. You ever heard flying uh, heavies, which is actually better for a pilot anyway, because when they get out, they can just move right over. A fighter pilot can't mm. um, just move right over. But not without a additional, you know, training. Mm-hmm. But anyway, that's interesting. Uh, one of the uh, pilots I used to work with, he was uh, mo- leaving the FAA when I went into the FAA. Um, he's probably the best uh, all-around uh, pilot, commander, officer. I ever served with, hmm. um, but he, uh, he said, uh, I tracked him down when I was going to decide I was going to start working for the FAA. He's like, Oh, that's great. I'm leaving. And, uh, I'm like, Oh man, why? He's like, I, I can't take these people anymore. They suck. Hmm. 
He said, if you do the right thing, and he knew me from the airport, he's like, you're not going to last here either. Really? If you believe in doing the right thing, you know, the FAA is not the job for you. Hmm. That's crazy. Gotta love government, hey? It's a different kind of government because most, even if they don't do it, most of the uh, mission statements, the uh, statutes that give them their authority uh, say, hey, you know, we're a government agency, but we're here to make our public better. We're mm-hmm. here to help the lives of our constituents. Not so with the FAA. They're one really? of two federal agencies that I know of that are built for the industry, not for the people. Mm, yeah, yeah. So. Yeah, I was talking to some people last night actually about the FAA. Um, just with the airline baggage side of it, because that's what, that's what I used to work in and stuff. And basically they've got this thing in place right now that if you want to bid on a job at an airport you have to have airport baggage equipment that's been proven in the industry for 10 plus years and so when they basically when they made that all of a sudden only the existing companies were the ones that could play in the game and so it's it's funny because basically they just change hands right like they'll change here okay then, then this company will buy them up rename them and stuff like that but it's the exact same like design, it's the same drawings, same patents, and all this stuff is just kind of funny. It's kind of like an old boys club, the old baggage conveyor world is. <laughs> but. Well, it's not just that. There's plenty of things in the that do that, but the FAA is just worse at it. Hmm. And they may have, their reasoning may have sounded good, but it really wasn't. Hmm. All you had to do is, like every other part of contracting in the federal government or the military or the states or private business, come up with your specs, mm-hmm. write your specifications and put out bids. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And then you don't, and it's not necessarily the equipment. I mean, it is, but it isn't um, necessarily the equipment. You want to be grounded and, uh, in time, having a good reputation, a good track record, a company that'll last, that's actually what you need. You don't want some fly-by-night company. Might have a good product, but they're not going to be here in two weeks. You know? mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's it's weird. And and then I wonder, too, it's like, so say somebody comes up with, or a company says, hey, you know what, we just, we used to be in X industry and that industry is drying up and now we're going to make airport baggage conveyor. You know, it's just metal manufacturing similar to many other, you know, you could be in the gravel industry, like the gravel crushing industry and it's, it's conveyor belts. It's very, very similar stuff. And you'd think that it's like, Hey, listen, we've got this new equipment. We'd like to get it approved. You know, a half, a couple of half intelligent engineers could go over it and be like, yeah, you know what? This thing's designed well. You know, mind you, I guess those guys are hard to find because there's so many, like, like even mechanical engineers that I've worked with, they're still just paper guys, right? And it's drawings and it's spec sheets. And it's like, okay, just let me look up. I need the, uh, uh, what do they call that? Yeah, basically like a spec sheet for like a, a piece of steel, right? And they look at its tensile strength and the compression strength and then this and that and all the, the physical properties of it. And it's all numbers and calculations. And then you put all these pieces together in a drawing and 
someone who's got experience in it, say who's worked on airport baggage conveyors, you know, for years, could look at it and be like, oh, you know what? No, there's going to be a snag point right here. Bags are not going to make this, this, you know, guaranteed once, twice a day, you'll have a bag pile up right here. And that comes from experience. And I guess that's one thing like an engineer, you know, we, we've worked with engineers who design these systems. They'll never see that stuff, right? Because they don't have, they've never gone down there and cleared up a bag jam, you know, for Southwest Airlines. And, you know, every bag that doesn't make it to an airplane is costing them like 50 to 100 bucks. And so you better fix your problem right now. And, oh, cool, I see. So when they've made this part like this, the zippers go in there and any zipper over this size is going to bind, you know, and that's just practical stuff. So I guess, I don't know, I guess I kind of see, see where they're coming from with like wanting to make sure that that equipment is proven. But then again, it could be proven and installed improperly and you'll just have jam after jam after jam. You find some cool stuff under airport conveyors, man. I tell you what. Um, you know, one thing I found and, and I, it's funny, I, this is a clone I wear to today. There's the Dolce & Gabbana. I found a full bottle of Dolce & Gabbana cologne underneath a baggage conveyor in Oakland, California. <laughs> uh, I, I saw it and I'm like, sweet. And I'm like, you know what? It's not a gross thing. Like one time we were working in Vegas, we found nose hair trimmers and one of our temp guys, he goes let me see if they work and stuck them in his nose i'm like that's disgusting he's like they work good i said you can keep it he's like really i'm like you're so gross man he was this big huge dude he was so funny but yeah i found gold rings like tons of money every type of trinket you could imagine i found a cane like under you know the sloped carousels where you collect your stuff from yeah and and those things are pretty well sealed off right like it's it's not like there's big gaps and stuff. I found a, a wooden cane perfectly intact and somehow it slipped through there and didn't get crunched up. Yeah, I find a lot of clothing. Yeah, it's crazy. It was always the 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 worst part and the kind of the fun part is when you had to go under there, either change the oil or like just do temperature readings on the gearbox and then they always wanted you to sweep up the carousel. And so you literally go on your hands and knees, you wear knee pads and you hand broom and you're sweeping all to the center and then uh we had one supervisor once in vancouver we'd go and sweep 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 and then when it was all to the center he jumped down there and started rooting through this stuff and taking all the money <laughs> and i threw it at him i threw a big pile of dust right at him he's like what are you doing i said this is the this is mine he goes, well, no it's not it's for all of us i said i'm the one sweeping i'm the one that gets these spoils this is the grunt's pay and uh, he didn't like it. And I told him, I said, if you do that again, I'm going to throw a whole pile of dust right in your face. Like it's going to be in your ears and your mouth and your nose. And that is nasty dust under there. Yeah, I was, I was ticked off. I was like, get out of here, you jerk. But he didn't last too long. Got rid of him after a couple months. With an attitude like that, you know, focused on the small things instead of focusing. He leaves his crew of like 10 guys or waiting for him while he's looking through coins. <laughs> That. Yeah. Um, stupid people. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I got some uh, exciting news. <clears throat> My parents are like uh, getting ready to start getting things out of the back of the shop. So I'm going to double my shop shop space here soon. 
Oh, cool. Uh, yeah. So they're back for a while, and they, my dad basically put in a whole bunch of, you know, those garage cabinets you can buy? Yeah. So he did all those in the wall, so he's got storage for stuff, like, you know, weird things like your hot dog sticks and folding chairs and stuff that belongs in the garage. And so he's going to start hauling all that stuff. And then they bought a, it's a cabin or no, it was a cabin lot, but it has a hanger on it. And so they're going to, are they going to build a cabin? I don't know. They're doing like an apartment up top of this hanger. And I think there's space too. It's like right on a lake and they can um, build a cabin if they want, but they're going to take a lot of this stuff out to there. That's in Mabel Lake, BC. And um, so they got a grass runway. I think they got a float plane runway. And then there's a golf course there. And then they're about 10 minutes from a town, I guess. So I'm going to get that, all that stuff. And I think that's going to, it's it's going to be weird. But they they have friends that have a place there. And they're there all the time. And so I think they're going to spend a lot of their time, a lot of their summers there. But they're like, yep, yeah, we're going to come. We'd like in the next month or two, we want to have all of our stuff out of here. So I am so stoked. You know, and little things, it's like, I, you know, like they got a, a two post lift there and it's rated for, I don't know, seven, 8,000 pounds. I forget. Like my dad says, he'll do like a one ton pickup truck. No problem. And, you know, I go to change tires and that's when it's like to have a lift. You can just take all of them off and put all of them on, <laughs> you know, instead I lift up one corner, take it off, put it on, lift up another corner, take it off, put it on. But um, simple tasks like that, I mean, it's not a big deal, but it would probably take me a third the amount of time if you just had a lift to use, you know, and there's a lift there, but it's storing an old 56 T-Bird that nobody ever drives. <laughs> it's just like, get it out of here. Let's do something with it, you know, but so I'm pretty stoked about that. I can get my wood shop properly set up so it's... You know, I'm not wheeling things in and out. That'd be nice. Have you made uh, been out to your shop at all lately? Uh, outside, not inside. Oh yeah. Yeah, I'm trying to get some things cleared away out back, and uh, just last fall, some of the. Uh, briars uh tried to they're trying to claim two of my uh tractor implements mm -hmm. yeah that's a pain isn't it oh god I, so you got that for your Kubota yeah and you got a loader on the front of that thing yep those things are pretty handy aren't they well yeah yeah they really are yeah I mean, like, I know it's not like, you, you probably couldn't do stuff as fast as if you're just on a skid steer, but it's, it's not for that, right? It's like, you know, I, I do need to move like 10 loads of dirt over to this flower bed. And so it's like, man, that sure beats the old wheelbarrow and a whole bunch of trips. Uh, yeah. And I mean, do you have enough work um, to justify... You know, fifty, sixty, seventy, eighty thousand dollars skid steer. You know, mm -hmm. just make more trips. Yeah. I mean, what a 
skid steer and a mini excavator be great? Yes, they would. Uh, but, you know, do, you, do I really need one? Well, I actually need a mini for about a year, but hmm. um, that's not in the uh, cards right now. Hmm. Yeah, those minis are cool. I periodically put in a request, a requisition for one in the uh, chief financial officer periodically denies it. So. <laughs> That's a very polite, very political way to put it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I can't believe how expensive bobcats are or skid steers. You know, they, to me, I don't know. I might be totally wrong. I mean, they are, it's incredible the amount of abuse and how long they last. But I look at them, I'm like, isn't that an overpriced piece of equipment? Like, you know, I can get a, a tractor with a bucket for like a fraction of the cost. And it but, lifts a fraction of what it can lift. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that is handy having the, the bobcat out here. Skid steer. But the biggest thing I use it for is snow removal. They'll be, and then Kobe's doing his jumps and stuff, but, oh, it'd be nice. Just, just, there's things that have been left alone out here, and so it's like, I, I don't know. I, I think these next couple of summers, we're going to be pretty busy. Like, we got to lift up the office that's attached to the shop because it's sinking down, and somebody planted a tree, you know, like kids would get, do you, in the States, do they ever give kids in a certain grade, like a tree to take home and plant? Well, evergreen, is that a thing there? Um, maybe not an evergreen, you know, depends on your school, your teacher, all that. Some of the kids in our, way back when I went to school, um, back in the black and white era, we, uh, we had, oh God, what were they? Oak trees? Yeah. And then if you were one of the kids that got the little acorn to plant your oak tree, you had to document it. Uh, okay. Over the course of not just like your school year, but the whole time you were in that school. Oh, wow. Like, screw that. Yeah, no kidding, though. Thank you. So they got this tree program in Canada, and it's grade one or two or three. I forget. Basically, like, I think it's across the country is that every kid gets like this little evergreen. And when you get it, it's probably six inches high. And so you could put it in a pail and let it grow and then transplant it to your yard. Well, somebody thought it was a good idea to plant it right in front of the office windows on the shop because there's this basically the septic tank for the shop is right in front of the office and you know they built up this big flower bed to hide the opening of the septic tank the lid and had shrubs in there until i i think it was my it was, it was, it was my niece and i think it was my oldest niece and i think it was hers and they planted it there and sure when it's like six inches it's fine but now it's about like 20 or 30 feet and I'm like, okay, having a tree of this size right beside a septic tank doesn't seem good, like for the septic tank. Like, I'm, you know, those roots, once they decide they want to go somewhere, I'm surprised it's not leaking yet. But then also, it's like literally right in front of two of the windows where you can look up to the house from. And I'm like, this is dumb. So I'm going to cut that down. And it's just things like that. That's like, no person, like, I think it was just like, oh, we don't know where to put it. Let's put it here, maybe we'll dig it up once it's like two or three feet tall and move it to our lawn, right? But then somebody forgot about it and you look at it and it's like, wait, 
That's stupid. And every single person on earth would look at that and be like, why on earth is there a tree growing there? But it's like, eh, just forget about it. We're not here that much. And there's so many things we're finding like that. It's just like there's a pile of wood behind the shop. And it's like like my dad somehow somebody had some poplar trees that had big burl on them. And it's like, oh, those are cool. You could do something with those. Maybe turn a bowl or something. And so I brought them back there and left them outside. And that was like 10 years ago. And poplar doesn't do well, you know. And so now it's just this big dried up burl. It's probably like eight feet long. And it, it's a like one of the bigger trees around here. I'd say it might be like 30 inches in diameter. Just this huge stump. And there's two of them just laying there. It's like, what am I going to do with this? I cut one. I cut a little slab off with a chainsaw the other day. And I'm like, I, I don't even think I can use this for handle material. It's starting to like rot from the inside out. Like just it's dust inside. And I'm like, what am I going to do with this now? You know, like so many things. You can't open. There's one door at the back of the shop. You can't open up because there's just a pile of wood. I'm like, Ugh, old stairs. Somebody just threw there. And it's like, it's my problem now, but. You know, once you start, we've we have been doing this stuff all the way along, and it's kind of like, you know what, after a couple months this summer, we'll have that reclaimed, and then I'll put gravel back there so I can bring the incinerator a little closer, because we're constantly burning stuff, but I don't know, I'm excited. Like, I'm looking forward to getting this place fixed up, you know, and then we've started painting inside, so I, <laughs> I don't know if my, my parents are going to freak when they come in. They had a pretty nice fireplace and it's got like all the oak you know that golden oak color stuff classic from the 90s slate and Steph painted all of it black and it looks really good like it looks really modern but I think when my mom sees it she might have a heart attack <laughs> like but my little things try and make it feel like our place because it's still it still is weird it feels like I'm it's just it doesn't feel like home yet, you know. Takes a little time, probably. Yeah, I, I've known several people that became the adults in the house they grew up in, and everybody said, "Yeah, there's the all kinds of, you know, things to get used to that you never really consider until, you know, you're in that position." Hmm. Yeah, totally. Well, and the one thing is, I never lived in this house for that that long. Like, we moved in when I was 14. It was built. And then, like, I moved out when I was 17. So it was like three years I was here. I guess that's, a, that's still enough. And I think the big thing is, is, it's always been my parents. And it's like Christmas time, you know, Christmas dinner with the family was here. Anytime there's like a big family gathering, it's here. You know, my aunts and uncles will come down from up north. They'll stay with my parents and all the family comes here. And so that's the part about it, I think. You know, you're only ever here when you're having a celebration. But, no, it's good. Definitely cannot complain. All the wildlife, man, it's incredible how much stuff comes wandering through our yard. You still having coyotes? Uh, actually, I don't think I've seen them in the last week, maybe. They hear them like crazy. I don't know where their den is. or I don't think it's close. I thought they were trying to maybe scope out a place because 
there was a couple days where we saw them and they were going back and forth like they'd be walking south just behind the trees and then they'll be walking north and then like 10 minutes later they'll just kind of be sitting there and it seemed like they were hanging out and i was like i wonder if they have a den here or are looking for a den but i don't think i've seen any for the last last two weeks not close anyways had a red fox come in and right up like like we'll have deer to a point that if i could reach through my window i could grab onto these deer and these mallards there's a big pair of mallards that are always every morning they're right below our our bathroom window and uh you look out there and they're just waddling around it's funny but yeah no it's exciting i'm just i'm excited for summer to come i feel like it's been a long time coming Yeah, you had what five solid months of winter, six. Yeah, yeah, and it was um, it was it was cold for a lot of it, and but the the one thing is like it's a lot of snow, and I don't know, it felt like a real winter. Some winters are just kind of like ah, oh, that wasn't too bad. The coldest we'd ever get is like minus fifteen, but no, we had a couple of weeks where it's like not above minus twenty, and that's a different type of cold, man. Like. You go outside, it's minus 30 out, and you can feel it when you open your car door. You can feel that the properties of that door are different at that temperature. And it's just weird, and your suspension is different. And it's just like, it's so strange. You can't really describe it unless you've you've felt it. You know what I'm talking about, because you've been there. Like the physical properties of steel change when it's like minus 30, minus 40 degrees, and... You notice it when you're driving. It's it's weird. <clears throat> I was listening to a podcast. This kid, he lives in Alaska, Anchorage. Uh, I listen to this one podcast called Adventure Rider Radio. I love it. It's such a good podcast. It's just about like adventure motorcycling. But uh, this one guy, he, his family runs a carnival in Alaska and also down in the States. And he said, pretty much anywhere in southern states, if you've been to a, a carnival um, or on carnival rides, it's his family. But he had this idea he wanted to ride to the Arctic Circle in the wintertime. And he was riding, I think the coldest he got to is like, like minus 50 degrees. And just, I'm like, who in their right mind would do that on a motorcycle, you know? Oh, it's very fascinating. The guy, he almost, like he almost, it almost killed him. He got into some bad situations, but that's crazy. Don't think I'd be brave enough to try something like that. I'm brave. I'm just not. (laughs) Oh, what's that word? Stupid. Yep. Exactly. Exactly. So what have you been up to then last week or so? Just hiding out from the rain? Yeah, that's pretty much it. Um, did some reading, been listening to some music more All right than on. I normally have been. But do you do you find you used to listen to music more than you do now? Oh yeah, but I was in a I wasn't like at home all the time. Yeah, yeah. You know, I was either listening to music at work or to and from work, or you lived by yourself. And, you know, had the old 90s stereo system and 
you know. Yeah. Yeah, I I think podcasts have really taken away a lot of music that I used to listen to. The other day I was out in the shop and I was like, you know, what? I don't really feel like a podcast right now. Like I don't listen to a lot of them. I might listen to one a day. Um, but I was like, and so I went through and I, I never knew this, but Apple Music, if, if you put on an album, so I put on one, uh, Tame Impala, and it was an album I listened to while I was getting a whole bunch of tattoo work done. And this is the first time I'd ever heard this band. And so there's that association. I really like these, this music. And it played through the album. And then all of a sudden, Apple Music will just start playing similar songs. And I, I ended up hearing a lot of great music that I'd never heard before. And I've, I was like doing signs, like wooden signs, and I was dancing. <laughs> <laughs> kind of embarrassing but like like it's you know you're getting a jam you got your head and you just you're really like t- in a totally good mood because of the music and i i noticed it and i was like you know i haven't done this for a long time and i used to do this every single day because there wasn't a thing about podcasts i didn't have an apple ipod that you could listen to podcasts on i just listened to music and you'd have your favorite CDs and you'd put them in. And if you had, you're lucky, you had a multi-CD changer and you could listen to hours of great music. And uh, I'm going to start doing that in, in the shop more, I think. I think I need to just... Yeah, podcasts are great. I like podcasts when I'm driving because I don't like to stream music while I'm driving because I have to pay for cellular data. And that, you know, you'll use up all your data. But um, So I like podcasts because you can download them all. But I'm like, man... I'm going to start just listening to some music more. It, it puts you in a better mood, you know, like you're doing something, you get some, some of your favorite tunes on. You just can't help but feel good. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I used to listen to a lot of podcasts, but I haven't. Um, and you, since about 2019, oh, really? 2020, haven't listened to many at all because I just started finding out that um, a lot of these podcasts are just, the people who do them are just full of shit. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the number one, here's a, one example. The number one, uh, true crime podcast in the world. Mm-hmm. The, the individual who hosts that and, and does most of the talking is neither a journalist, never has been, nor have they ever investigated a real crime hmm. as a, like, Police officer. Yeah. Where, and they don't have a uh, degree in criminal justice, nothing. Hmm. Um, why it's, are you flapping your gums? Yeah. They, um, they did one show. This is the one, I, one of the ones I listened to and paid attention to, you know, every single word because it was a case I've researched ad nauseum because I'm interested in it. It's a well part of the case they don't know whether it was you know the person dead or ran away but the the husband's dead, the kids are dead the wife's missing still missing never been found, never had not one clue outside the house uh Oh, and the local police never investigated it, not once, hmm. until recently. And it's like years and years later is way too late. Um, and nor will they answer why they never investigated. Even though 
it's pretty obvious, you know, at least circumstantially, because her dad and the then sheriff and DA and all that, they're all best of buds. Hmm. Anyway, anyway, I've done a lot of research in it. Um, actually live right now very close to where it all happened. Uh, same county. And no uh, on this true crime podcast, uh, about, I'd say, 70% of what the person was portraying as fact is just made up. Hmm. It's what, oh, the you know, neighbor Bobby said, blah, blah. Well, one, there's no neighbor Bobby. Never was. And then I don't know, you know, it just. Hmm. Yeah. That's crazy, eh? You know, I find, well, when you stopped listening to podcasts, that's when everybody started their own podcast. And there's been some good ones, but then there's some making podcasts that I've tried giving a chance. And I'm like, you know, this isn't worth my time. You know, like these these guys are are dumb. Um, yeah, I don't know. There's been a few podcasts that I've listened to for a long time, and I'm just like, well, all of a sudden I'll be listening. I'm like, wait a minute, why? Silence would be better than this. You know, I'm sure some people feel that way about our amazing podcast, but those people are all well, they're wrong. wrong. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> yep. Yeah, and then there's some, well, I don't want to name names, but ugh. some of them I don't understand where they, they get off. Like like comments about like the knife-making community, like just calling everybody idiots and stuff. I'm like, really? And, and people actually want to hear you belittle them? Well, okay, cool. I, I forgot you were God's gift to the world, you know, and it's just, it's just ugh. Make, and then there, and then a lot of them are like adolescent teenage boys, right? It's like, <laughs> it's like, you stupid little, like, grow up. You know, there's a time when you can put all that disgusting stuff away. And, you know, that should be before you're 20. You, you know, that it's just, I don't get it, man. Like, cool. You know, and whoop, 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 their brain's just floating down the gutter. Don't understand that childish behavior i don't know i i don't know like i mean there's still a market for that whether there should be or not debatable oh no i agree there is yeah but you know you know as somebody with a comedic background i can appreciate it if it's done in humor Mm-hmm. And it's actually funny, whether you agree with it or not, you know, as long as it's funny and not just mean spirited or whatever. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, cause I will make fun of anything, but it's not mean spirited. Mm-hmm. It's just humor. Cause I think one of our, um, uh, sanity check valves as humans is humor, mm-hmm. religion and humor. But, both of those things um, together are enough to keep us from killing most stupid people that we run across. And yeah, and jail time's the other thing that adds yeah. on to that. Yeah, I'm too pretty for last, jail. Yeah, Always have been. Yeah. yeah. But the, 
just I don't understand. I you know I I think uh, if you're going to do a podcast and you're which is a, a way of communicating with people that's different than uh, written word or anything like that. It goes back to the old radio um, all the way up through the late 90s, early 2000s, uh, before, you know, FM died pretty much. You know, you have to be a very good communicator, a very good speaker with a very good vocabulary uh, because, you know, to do something like radio or a podcast because there's no nonverbal communication. Mm-hmm. There's no visual communication. Uh, to it. It, it, and then you hear people uh, trying to do <clears throat> social media, podcasting, whatever, that don't have a firm grasp of whatever language it is they're trying to speak. You know, if it's English, they don't have a good grasp of the English language. You know, English grammar composition, if they're speaking in Spanish, they don't have a good grasp of Spanish, mm-hmm. whatever. I'm like, well, if you can't effectively communicate in the language you're trying to communicate in, you're not an effective communicator. Yeah. I always thought that was pretty uh, obvious, but it's not yeah, yeah. in this world because I – we were – I was with a, a, a group of guys about my age or older uh, right after a meeting, and I played a clip for them. And everybody there got something else or something different, a different meaning, because the person doesn't know how to communicate. Hmm. Yeah. Like, really? Yeah. Oh. All right. Yeah, it's it's definitely... A- yeah, and I and I think so many people think, hey, I'm stuck at home. I've got this, you know, I have to do Zoom calls. I'm going to do a podcast now. And then they get on and it's just like, I don't know. There's some of them where, oh, I don't know. There's There's a few of them I've tried, like making one specifically and some of the newer ones. I try giving them a listen and I'm like, no, no, you don't know. Like they'll, you can tell just by listening to a couple episodes, they've got very limited time spent on tools and they constantly using the wrong words for things, which whatever. I mean, people call things differently, but things that are kind of big deals, like, no, no, that is the wrong terminology. You're, you're explaining a completely different process than you think you're explaining. Cause you, you say, oh, I did this. And then, you know, cause I wanted this finished. I'm like, well, that's, I forget what it was, but it was like, I knew exactly what he was trying to say, but he's saying the wrong thing. And then the two other hosts are like, oh, yeah, I've seen that done before, too. And I'm like, so none of you know what this is actually called. Okay. Okay, cool. <laughs> Just a maker, you know, not 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 a skilled tradesperson, not someone who's learning a craft, but I'm a maker. Oh, good. <laughs> and I have a podcast. A, uh, uh, Video podcast, I guess, um, is the best way to describe it. They were talking about uh, wood finishing. 
Mm-hmm. And they were just, they were talking, what they were talking about was French polishing. Mm-hmm. None of them, kind of like you were saying, really knew what it was mm-hmm. or why it was used when it was used, why it would be used now, which is mostly in restoration, because there are much better finishes out there than shellac, you know, mm-hmm. but when you have a, you know, a genuine antique that was, you know, French polished, finished the first time, that's about the only way to get it back now. Mm-hmm. And uh, anyway, they were talking about, they were they kept calling it buffing. No, no, stop. What is it called? Well, it's French polishing. Oh, okay. That's the actual term for it. Yeah. Um, it's how you finish a uh, piece that was shellac as a, yeah. you know, you build up layers and layers and layers and layers and layers and layers and layers of shellac, and then you basically take uh, lint-free, wrinkle-free cotton cloth, put some alcohol on it, and you just, you know, oh, really? buffing the motion, but it's called polishing. Oh, no kidding. I've never, I've never even heard of that before. It's one of the hardest techniques to, uh, to do. Yeah, I've done it once, and I mean, I've uh, restored one piece that was originally French polished, and I'll probably never ever do it again. Just hard to get right. Well, not only that, you can't make any money at it in twenty twenty three because it's like a bunch <laughs> of other things. Um, no one wants to pay you for it because just to do the final finish, you know, shining it up work might take you a week. Oh, wow. And, you know, and it's the, and you can't replace doing it manually with anything else. Hmm. It's been tried. Hmm. So, um, would that be a finish they used on things like jewelry boxes too? Or was that only for furniture? Oh, no. Back in the day, it was used um, a lot with furniture and little trinket boxes like that. But primarily things that were made from mahogany and things that were made from walnut. Hmm. Because those deep, deep, deep uh, shines that you know look like a mirror, mm-hmm. back then... Could only come from, you know, French uh-huh. polishing. Huh. Because when I when I was in Russia, I picked up. The, they had these jewelry boxes, and they also, um, and they were black. And then they had a neat image on. It looked like an oil painting on the top of them, but then they had this finish, and it was almost like, like a layer of glass or layer of plastic but it had a weird smell to it and it had a different texture. Like you could tell some type of a chemical that That's was probably, especially if it was black. Yeah. It's probably lacquer. I mean, old fashioned, original black lacquer. Uh, a lot of Eastern European and Asian pieces were black lacquered and it's very distinctive. Huh? Yeah. Very. If you get it in a, a hot, humid environment, it, almost become sticky almost yes 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 yeah yeah lacquer oh okay yeah interesting <clears throat> in fact the same kind of lacquer that uh 
the Model A's were first painted with at oh, Black Lacquer. Yeah. Hmm. Buy my Ford. You can get it in any color you want, as long as it's black. That's right. Yeah. yeah we, I wish I had some of that stuff that I brought back from Russia years ago. I brought back a lot of neat stuff, and then I, don't know, I just gave it away to people, I think, or some of it. It's just like after a year or two, and like you've been back for a year or two, and it's still kind of fresh, and it's like, oh, why did I bring this? But now I'm like, that was a really cool piece that I had. I wish I knew where that was. I had a Matryoshka doll set. I still have it. And it's a five doll set. And the largest one is five-eighths of an inch tall. And there's four inside of it. And the smallest one, you can stick it, like I can stick it under my thumbnail and my between my thumb and my thumbnail, and it will stay in there. Like it's smaller than a piece of rice. And if you take a real good magnifying glass, it's got a face on it. It's got, it's got, oh, it's unbelievable. It's a really cool little set. Uh, a one of the uh, diplomats I knew in uh, D.C. Uh, she's a very old woman, um, but her family was Russian, and she had a set of those. The largest one was a foot tall, mm-hmm. but there were one hundred of them. Oh wow! So <laughs> inside the foot tall one, there's ninety nine, and they went down to about that small. Yeah. Of a grain of rice and amazing. Yeah. Can you imagine like um She's like the amazing thing is generations of children have played with it and they're all one hundred still there and still in mint condition. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, wouldn't happen in an American family, that's for sure. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah, those Matushka dolls are pretty cool. I remember when we were there, there's a one guy I was with Jay was his name. He was from Florida and very opportunistic guy. Like he'd started a couple businesses and, um, anyways, this was when <clears throat> the, the U S had the dream team basketball in the Olympics. Yeah. And so he had the entire dream team. He, he went out, found some business that would do custom Matryoshka dolls and had the dream team made up as a Matryoshka doll set and uh sent a couple of them back and people liked them so i think he what did he get 50 or 100 sets made and uh sent them all back and he's talking about all this fortune that he's gonna make like, oh man i'm gonna make so much money while i'm over here i'm probably gonna end up exporting a whole container of these back and blah 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 and i think he sold like three more (laughs) and then his friend back in in florida is like what do you want me to do with these like sell them he's like nobody wants to buy these and like why not they're awesome it's like you don't associate a U.S. Dream Team basketball with a Russian doll. <laughs> like, like they just don't go together. Like, no, it's funny. He's like, you guys want to buy some? <laughs> I was like, no, I don't want one of those Jays. Like, come on. I'm like, dude, I'm a Canadian. Why would I buy a Matryoshka set from the U.S. Dream Team? It's not even like officially licensed merch, you know? It's like, come on. It was funny. He was so choked. He lost a couple hundred bucks. But I, Back when I was still active duty um had a buddy that was also but he he made stuff right and uh would sell it and he did a run of something i can't remember what it was um maybe a chess set i'm not really sure but he had 20 of them and he wasn't able to get it wasn't able to oh that's what it was it was his chess set and uh 
he knew at that time I played a lot of chess. And he's like, man, you should buy one and use it. You know, when people ask where you got it from, you know, help me sell these things. No. Why not, man? Nah, I just can't, you know, not my thing, whatever. And I think I'm going to, you know, I recently quit playing chess. Really, when? I said, next week. Um, <laughs> I guess beating around the bush and everything. He's finally said, well, man, if you were, if you had some stuff, I'd help you out with it. I'm like, well, I wouldn't try to sell you much of crap either. Yeah. You know. Yeah. I mean, you're really good at your job, and I think you should probably stick with that or get a hobby you're good at. Or, yeah, or just enjoy your hobby for a hobby, you know? But I've seen, like, uh, like city parks where you play chess with rocks, and the chess sets look better. Hmm. I'm like, Real, dude, come on. That's crazy. Was he making his out of wood? I'm not sure. Um, I'm trying to remember. This has been a long time. Um, I think some of them were tagwan nuts he was carving. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Plant ivory. Yep. Hmm, that's cool. Yeah, I it, was uh, tried some of that when I was wood turning. The very first piece I ever tried exploded on me. Oh wow! Um, which is a hazard with those things. Uh, yeah. They just there's no way to know until you try. Well, yeah. you know, shrapnel isn't my thing. So. Wow. I'll move along now. Yeah, Lee Valley used to sell. Tag one nuts. Yeah. I, I bought one once and I just I had a little rotary carver, started carving it. It's kind of neat stuff. It's kind of crazy. Uh, put some of that together with some ivory. I mean, oh. not ivory, um, ebony. Oh, okay. Uh, Macassar ebony. And then made one big blank from pieces of. Tag one nut and Macassar ebony, and then turned that into a bud vase, about a foot and a half tall. Hmm. Uh, it took some uh, inventive wood turning to hollow it out because it was so uh, narrow. Hmm. But I, you know, it, I just took my time, did it on the nights and weekends for not every night, not every weekend for months and I finally finished it and uh, threw it on eBay for some reason. Oh, really? And, uh, that's way back. I mean, way back. And I, I'd sold three pieces. That was one. I sold a zebra wood platter that I turned. And then uh, I had sold a bowl that I have upstairs. Uh, they get paid me for it. And never did send me the shipping information hmm. where to ship it. What they and bought you gift. I went through months of arguing with eBay. Mm-hmm. How do I give them their money back? And finally, the person at eBay is like, if they're not smart enough to give you their address, keep the money. Hmm. No, not happening. Hmm. I mean, I probably would now, but. Yeah. Not then. Yeah, eBay was kind of funny like that, hey? Like, you bid on something, and then it's kind of more streamlined now, isn't it? Like, Yeah. Like, basically, all your information is in eBay, so when you place a bid or you say, yeah, I'm buying this now, okay, the, the seller automatically gets all of your info. You don't have to send it to them. 
I remember back in the day, somebody would win a bid and then you'd have to contact them and hopefully they don't flake out on you. Yep. Well, can't do that now. Oh, no. And then, like, you can't, according to eBay's rules, you're not supposed to send it anywhere but their registered address in mm-hmm. eBay. Mm-hmm. Unless it's a gift, I suppose. But. Yeah, and that, that's what people were doing, too. Anytime you, you'd write on it as a gift. They buy something on eBay, you write on gifts so they don't have to pay like duty and customs. I remember that. They're trying to figure out how to crack down on that. And then, or, uh, or you, you, people will be like PayPal friends and family only <laughs> so they don't have to pay the PayPal fees. Yeah. I see knife makers doing that now. I'm like, really? Why don't you just get legit? Like, come on. If you're, if you're business here and this guy is a full time knife maker. I'm like, if you're a business, just kind of bite the bullet and act like it a little bit. You know what I mean? Like, PayPal friends and family only. I'm like, well, then there's no insurance on it. There's no recourse if you don't send me the knife. You know, like, like as a buyer, I assume risk because you're not willing to pay, you know, a couple bucks and a fee to facilitate a transaction that makes your living. You know, like just chill out. <laughs> yeah, I had uh, one of the folks that I bought a knife from do that. Mm-hmm. Oh man, dude, just do it this way. Just do it this way. And I had not had any contact with them before then at that time. And I'm like, no, I put in there exactly what it was for, <clears throat> you know, everything. Mm-hmm. Then they got all mad. I got the knife, they got the money. But I'm like, dude, I'm honest, you know? Yeah, exactly. You know, I get to know you and I know you're legit I might work with you but I don't know but then again I mean it's like you don't save anything like okay all those fees that you pay PayPal that you can write all those off right and you know people get all the oh Etsy charges too much in their fees and I'm like okay but here's the thing you got to realize about Etsy is that that's where people are okay they've got people that want to buy things there now, another place you could do that is in a mall. And you go ahead and just get a couple quotes on either a small kiosk or a really small bay in a shopping center that's busy. Now, are they doing that for free or are you going to have to pay fees to have a store there? It's called business, right? Like they've put a place together. They've gathered uh, consumers and you can put your stuff there. It'll be in front of the consumers and they'll, they'll buy it and they, they've got all the back end. They facilitate your entire business. You, you basically just do the work. And it's kind of like, I'm so happy to pay Etsy fees because I don't have, I, like I've, I run several other websites. They're a lot of work. They don't have traffic on them. And I'm like, I, if I relied on my own website to sell these wooden signs, not going to happen. And there's been a few times Steph's like, oh, I wish we could just have our own website. I was like, yeah, I kind of do too, except for the fact that no one will be there. And it's like, yeah, that's true. So it's like, there's a cost of doing business and, and somehow people think that's wrong. Sometimes it's like, no, first of all, like PayPal needs to make money. They're a business. And if they make money, then it's good for other people and Etsy, they need to make money. They're a business. It's not charity. And they, if they make money, then they can keep improving their website, their system, grow the, the people that are there. And I can just have a bigger and bigger audience. So I want Etsy to do well. And part of that is that, hey, I agree to these fees. They say this oh, is no, what, I, I you know. I get exactly what you're saying. Most of the, well, 
everybody that I've dealt with that was in the, oh, do the friends and family. They were, they didn't even get that far into the weeds with it. They were like, taxes, taxes, taxes. Okay. They weren't worried about, you know, PayPal making money or Etsy. You know, yeah. it was just, they're tax evaders. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's funny. Oh, yeah. Now we've got to get back to the sign production here soon. Yeah. Mommy's Day coming up. Yeah. Nice thing is that, um, so yeah, Kobe came home yesterday. He's got to go back and pick up one load. He's going to take the van back so he can get everything else, and he's got to clean his dorm and all that stuff. But he'll be doing that this morning, and then he applied for an internship at the church for the summer, and um, she had an interview with that last night. I would I would imagine he would get it, but I mean you never know. But if he if he does, that won't start for like another month, and so I've got a. I told him I said you know as soon as school's done, you either need to go get a job or get a job like you're not going to sit around here and play guitar all summer long like you're an adult now you're, you're going to college this is the real world and uh and i said even if you get the job at the church and it doesn't start till june like you got may you're gonna need something i said the good thing is a lot of landscaping companies want temporary like seasonal workers right now things are super busy for them you could get a job like that work outside get exercise you know get nice and fit do landscaping for a month so that'd be great but i think we got enough stuff to do around here that we can uh keep him busy especially now that i got a new wood chipper <laughs> here you go son here's a chainsaw and a wood chipper i want to say a big stack of lumber and a nice clean forest floor when we're done nothing but shredded chips everywhere If most of your signs are a standard size, you could, you know, get a bunch of blanks made. Yeah. Oh, oh, and they all are. Like, it's like 30-inch, 24-inch, 20, and 15 since. So, it's like we buy the way. That, I'm going to get him helping with that, too. Because if, if I get help, you know, if they're helping me, we can do like 150, 200 a day. We don't need that many now. The, the This rush isn't that busy right now, but. Yeah, it's nice, nice. Just to, like, for things like okay, we got a. We're going through. We go through a lot of bubble wrap, and we buy these rolls that are seven hundred fifty feet of bubble wrap, at two inches wide. And so these rolls, you can only get two of them in the back of the van. And so it's like okay, I got to go pick those up. And while I'm gone, nothing's being done. But no, it's like or I can send Kobe. Say you need to go pick up the rolls, and I can keep working. It's kind of handy just to have a little bit of extra help. Oh, anything else you need to want to go over on this episode? There was, but I cannot remember. Mm, I had one of those too. I wanted to talk about it last week and I forgot. Mm-hmm. Until about two minutes after we quit recording, I was like, oh man. Crap. Well, if you think about it, write it down and we'll hit it next week. It'd be weird. Can you imagine if we actually had a, like a show agenda or notes to go over? <laughs> yeah, I used to at least have a list of ideas, but you know. Hmm. Why don't why don't we try to you have if if it comes to you, write it down, put it in your phone, 
and then I'll try and come up with something and we will try to have two topics. Would that be weird? No, I I like that idea. Okay, we'll give it a shot. <laughs> it's like, I bet like every other podcast, it's like, well, that's what you have to do. It's like, we just gotta, it's it's what we say, you know, in the description, a lot of people write everything that, that the episode's about and put links. <laughs> and I type in a conversation between two friends. <laughs> every single episode. <laughs> so if you're searching through our library, it's like, I wonder what they talk about on this show. You have no way of knowing. You might get a small hint from the title, but chances are you have no idea what we're talking about. <laughs> what? Join the club. Neither do we. That's right. We just show, we just wake up on a Friday morning and hit the record bouton. But, uh, verbal roulette. Yeah. And verbal diarrhea. <laughs> well, I wasn't going to say that. <laughs> it's true. But right on. Well, thanks a lot, Todd. That's Thank great. You. Great to talk to you again. And, uh, I always solve a couple problems every time I feel, you know? Or, you know, create one or two, solve half of one. Mm -hmm. Create some for other people. It's <laughs> fine by us. <laughs> Somebody has to keep the Karens employed. <laughs> That's right. That's right. And thank you to everybody listening. And uh, we should be back with our episode next week. We'll see you then. See ya. <laughs>